Anyhow, then I got to looking around over there is Giselle and Kyle with uh, Mark Santiago Compton. Is that right? And, and you're in the middle of, there he is. I didn't see him, but let's give the Lord praise for that little guy today. Audrey, you start feeling good, or old, Audrey, you start feeling old when people that are in your youth group are having babies, okay? So uh, anyway, it's uh, Lord bless them and, and that new child, and um, it's awesome to be back in the pulpit today. Um, we've been uh, preaching on membership, and and we've important parts of that membership, and Again, everybody will have that opportunity to join on the 29th of, of October. But I started off talking about fellowship, and, and Jim talked about worship, and Joel talked about discipleship last week. And today I'm talking about stewardship. And I want you to think about what's the first thing that goes through your mind when somebody says stewardship. Uh, but while you're thinking about that, uh, last week, as you know, the pastors are taking a week and uh, children's Church and giving the Children's Church teams uh, a break. And so we had a group last week up there and we just had a, a great time. And, and again, I, I, I say this not that uh, like it was a rough time, but it makes you appreciate or helps you appreciate all of our leaders that are helping in all these areas. I think we had 27 kids just up in that part uh, last week and Jonathan and I and the... And the uh, Meadows, and, and we all worked up there and did a, we had a great time. But, but anyway, we appreciate our leaders. Uh, today, um, the laity or our lay leaders are up there teaching. So Teresa McNaught and Landon and shouldn't have done this, but um, um, Nick Coble and a couple others that, that I've probably forgotten. So they're up there ministering to our kids today, also on stewardship. But, but what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you think about stewardship? Taking care of, well, we've got some wisdom in here. I think that most people I ask, money is the first thing they said. And, and to me, that's just a part. To me, that's the, the result of stewardship. But, but Karen or whoever said that over there were what I pretty much had down. But biblical stewardship, when you look it up in the Holman Dictionary, is a responsibility to manage all resources of life for the glory of God. Acknowledging God as our provider. And, and anyway, I've just been really, that's been working me this week. Uh, the scripture that that most people will use when they talk about stewardship is Mark chapter 10. And, and I'm going to read that to you now. And it gets into uh, what I think Jesus is trying to say about good stewardship. But there's another scripture that's been pounding on my heart. And I'll get into that a little bit later. But let's read Mark uh, 10, 17 through 22. And I'm out of the ESV, but again, Mark 10, 17 through 22. But a man ran up and knelt before Jesus and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. 
You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him. Now, I want you to get that today. That's, this is what's really, I can't let loose of this right here. But Jesus looked at him, loved him, and said to him, You lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven, and come follow me. Come follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And so we get back to that, that, that all that Jesus requires of us is to love God and to love people. And again, as a scripture or the, the biblical account of responsibility of stewardship is to manage God's resources, to manage the, the, uh, this life to give God the glory and acknowledge he is the provider. But, but I even took it a step further. Uh, I, I think it's a, a concept that, that good stewardship is maintaining that gift of salvation. Uh, good stewardship is maintaining that, that, that idea that the last song we talked about, that Jesus has paid for death and, and we're alive. If, if I dropped dead physically today, I'd be alive with Jesus because I'm a believer. And, and do we look forward to that day? Do we look forward to seeing Jesus? Uh, uh, are we good stewards about telling other people about the kingdom of God and heaven that awaits us? And that's what's been burning at me. And I, I told Joe, I don't know where today is going to go because this is burning so hard. But, but this morning, if you want to go to slide 20, I'm jumping around here a little bit. But slide 20, uh, Karen and I are going on vacation starting tomorrow. And I've been studying this morning, and then this pops up. Mexico, and it, it's not dooted on our video, but it flashes, and they're shaking them deals. And she's all excited because we're going to a place tomorrow. We're going to this awesome place. And, and the next slide, some pictures she sent me. And, and this 21, slide 21 is the one that we're going to be staying in that little house there just off of the water there, right on the ocean. We're going to be deep sea fishing. And she's showing me all these things. She is pumped. She wants to go to this place. She wants to be in this place. And she's ready to go now. Let's get in the car load. Our, our guys, her bag's are already packed. Her bags are packed. She's ready to go. But I've been dragging my feet because fear of the unknown. I've flown so much, I'm tired of flying. And to me, it's going to be a drag tomorrow. Get up at 5 o'clock, drive three hours, race and get on a plane, fight people on the plane, fight people all the way to Cabo so we can relax. I can relax at home. I got some men, I got some men with me. But the Lord told me that's kind of where we are as a church. And I say church, universal church. 
but maybe some in here, here today. But, but in the beginning, we're excited like Herod is about heaven. We're excited about the things of God, and we can't tell enough people. Uh, we can't. I even got a text today, and I don't know if they meant it this way, but I'm going to read They quoted me a scripture. And, and anyway, they said here, and I don't know if I've been talking so much about this trip. I don't think I have. If anything, I've been like, I, I really am not excited about going. But they text me Proverbs 27, 1, do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day that day might bring. And, and so maybe I am boasting about tomorrow. I mean, I'm, I'm you know, excited about that. I don't know. Maybe that's what I'm putting off. But are we talking about heaven so much? And we're so excited about our salvation that people getting tired of us talking about it. You know, to me, that's good stewardship. Good stewardship is taking what God has done for us and giving him glory for it and using all that we can to promote it, all that we have to promote it, our time, our tithe, and our talent to promote him and who he is. But we get so tired you know, the day in, day out, the wear and tear of Christianity, if you will. We make it so heavy that it bogs us down sometimes and we can't enjoy it. Man, we need to get back to just enjoying God and who he is. You know, maybe we get used to church service. Oh, I had to come to church today. I got to put in my time. What about the day when we were excited about coming to church? Oh, I need to go to Sunday school. I wish I'd get some different Sunday school teachers. I can run the Sunday school teachers. There's one of them, my dad, so he'll forgive me for saying that. But do we get tired and worn to where we're not excited about the kingdom of God in heaven? You know, we're all going to die someday and and we need to be excited about where we're going. And sometimes I don't think we understand where we're going. And I think that's why the apostles and the disciples were so awesome is they got a hold of what heaven was. They knew where they were going and they didn't care if they got taken out preaching about it because they just made it a day quicker they got there. That to me is good stewardship. Good stewardship is just promoting the things of God. Holman went on to, to say this in the dictionary, Bible dictionary, and it's slide four, but the biblical concept of stewardship beginning with Adam and Eve and, and developed for more fully in the New Testament is that God is the owner and provider of all that any of us possess. Since all belong to him, it is incumbent meaning necessary, a necessary duty and responsibility that all be used for his purpose and his glory. That's stewardship. A collective respons responsibility was given to mankind to have dominion over the earth and care for it and manage it for his glory. Individually, whether finances or whether financial resources real property or other valuable items, time, influence, opportunity. The believer is to seek the mind and the will of God for every decision. God not only expects that we return a portion of what he gives us as tithes and offering, 
He expects for all that we have to be used in ways which please and honor him. He expects that we, regardless of vocation, will exercise responsible stewardship on his behalf of every day that we live. One day his eternal kingdom will come. In the meantime, we are to live as it has already come. That is, that's pretty deep. Stewardship is living as Christ has already come. Good stewardship as a church body is to working together. Working together as a body of Christ here at Oakton to build up the things of God and to bring heaven on earth as much as possible. But we got to be excited about our Lord. And we got to be excited about where we're going. Because how do you sell something you're not excited about? And so again, we're back into stewardship. And that takes us into point one, and the Lord really put on my heart. But slide five, following Jesus' good stewardship practices. In other words, sell all you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. We're living for heaven, not earth. And come, follow me. So we're following Jesus, and, and I'm thinking, and I'm praying, and I'm like, Lord, show me that. How do I tell the people? And he woke me one day this last week, was Matthew 25. So let's just turn there, and, and there's no way I'm going to be able to get through all this chapter, so I'm going to jump around. But, but there's three parables talked about in here. The parable of the ten virgins, the parable of the talents, and the parable of the sheep and goats. But all of these are, I believe the Lord has shown me, are acts of stewardship where he's teaching the people how to, to, to walk in stewardship. Now, while you're looking there, um, Audra, I don't know, uh, slide, whatever the slide is with the kids. I think it's probably 19 or something. But, but if Children's Church last week, uh, this one here is one that really blessed me. Because we was working with them kids, and go to the slide before that, I think. But, but fellowship was we belong together, Oakton. And that was the theme last week. We talked about fellowship up there. We belong together, working together in stewardship to, to again, glorify the God and all that we do and acknowledge him to bring others into the kingdom. Well, the next slide was I had an old Bible that used to set up in the old sanctuary that, that my great-grandpa Hale would give to the church in 1976. And anyway, it's a big Bible, and, and I put it back in the original box, and I had Rigdon come up there and hold the box by himself over his head. And quickly, he said it was more than he could handle. And then it tickled me. Ray said, I'll come up there and help. So Ray ran up and got underneath it with him. And then it went into that, that what's the next one up there? I can't see that far. Who's that? journey okay I'm glad you told me because I glancing up there I thought it was the um, Mahoney's but 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 then journey comes up there they didn't hesitate they came up and Joe who was the last one you just tell me it's not in this picture but I showed you it was the overstreet or the the overstreet girl man they didn't wait around they were so excited about helping Rigdon do what God called him to do and, and that's hold the word up and to be good stewards of, of fellowship and holding the word up. And guys, we need each other. 
Uh, you saw that during the prayer time. I, I went out to greet somebody, and I think I prayed with four people before I even got to greet the person. And because we need each other. We belong together and, and we walk together in what we believe. And again, it, we're bringing up and building up the kingdom. And so anyhow, we go back into the parable of the talents. And point one here, we'll read in verse one, uh, I think it's slide six, Audrey, but I didn't write it down. But, but it says in Matthew 25, two through four, five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flax of oil with their lamps. And again, we're talking about being excited about who God is and, and proclaiming the kingdom and proclaiming the things of God and glorifying God and everything that we are is good stewardship. Well, the 10 virgins, you know, they were waiting on the king. They were waiting on the master the same way as we are. And we see in this parable that, that five were foolish and five were wise. And, and the difference is, is the wise kept dipping in the oil, which represents the Holy Spirit, and a lot more. And, and that's the difference in us. When, when it gets to be, heaven begins to get cloudy, and our relationship with Jesus begins to get cloudy, we need to dip in the Holy Ghost. We need to dip in the presence of God. We need to do what the five wise virgins did. And so let's look at that. We see that they had that lamp, and we, it's talked about the lamp a lot. But slide seven said the lamp represents faith. You know, we always know that saying, God is a potter, we are the clay. Jeremiah 18, six says, behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are we in, the, in, in God's hands. So when they were wise, and, and they kept their lamps in their hands, and they kept their oil fresh, but the Old Testament, slide eight, the lamps on the, on the seven, uh, uh, in the altar in the tabernacle, I'm trying to, I'm getting excited, I need to slow down, but, but in the tabernacle, the seven lamps that stood in the tabernacle were to be constantly lit as a symbol of God's perfection and constant guidance. And we see in Exodus chapter one and six, you know, we're talking about lamps, and how they were to be maintained in the tabernacle. Well, that we have lamps in our life that as believers we need to maintain. Well, it goes on and says here that, that again it talked about the placement of the lamp in the tabernacle in Exodus 1 through, or, 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 uh, 1 through 30, 1 through 6. But then it goes into what I wanted us to catch today in verse 7. Aaron, every morning when he dressed the lamps, he shall burn it. And when Aaron sets up the lamps at twilight, he shall burn it, a regular incense offering before the Lord throughout the generation. Aaron was responsible to keep the lamp going. He was responsible to keep the wick clean. He was responsible as a priest to see these things were done. And if you guys notice, it said in the morning at twilight. Twilight is when the sun goes down. So we need to be trimming and, and, and working the lamp 
all the time and making sure that it's shining bright for the Lord. Well, guys, that's what works in our personal life. We need to check our wicks in the morning and our wicks before we go to bed and see that everything's clean, everything's working good, and that we're in good relationship to glorify our Lord. When I was thinking about all that, I thought of all the things, primitive morning, primitive night, before you know the sun goes down, well, what do you do in the middle of the night? And then it reminded me of Steve Diggs, an old timer in this church. He always told me, son, nothing good happens after dark. Go home. I don't know. I just threw that in there. But the lamp, the light of the lamp that we're trying to keep burning bright is God, Jesus, and that Holy Spirit. We see in the Old Testament that prophets represented God in that light, and we talked about Aaron. We see that move into that David was promised that a light would always burn from one of his descendants, and that light would eventually be Christ. And so that's what I want us to get a hold of tonight is we're, we're again taking this and shifting this, maintaining and keeping the light of God into our life. It moves from Christ that is the descendant of David, that that lamp in that temple has been replaced by the true light, Jesus. And as Jesus said in Revelation, and the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives it light. And its lamp is the lamb. And again, I share that because it's our job to make sure that our lights are burning bright. We got to be good stewards of our relationship, our personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We got to check it morning and night. Uh, used to the priests and all that did it. Now you can go to the, uh, the Christ, the God and the throne, the Holy of Holies, because you have Christ in you. We need to check it every morning and every night and make sure he's burning bright. Why? Because this light is a symbol of guidance. The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the uttermost parts of the earth. The light shining through these lamps teaches us and disciplines us. For the commandment is the lamp and the teaching a light and the reproofs of the discipline are the way of life. And guys, as you go back to that scripture that really, I love this back here. These guys are, are, are holding their babies in the back. Man, they're being good stewards of their family. Yeah, give them praise. Yeah, give the Lord praise. <laughs> Do you notice who started that clapping? It was one of their wives. <laughs> but, but what really bless me with this scripture today is we started out with Jesus and the guy that came to him what must I do he thought he was doing everything he needed to do and Jesus looked at him he loved him and then he told him what he wasn't doing and it wasn't a rebuke he loved him and that's why it's so important that we go to the throne, that we allow the Holy Spirit to, to, to look at us and to trim our wicks and to, to make us like he wants us, because Jesus loves us. 
Man, he looked at him. Man, you can preach that evangelism-wise. I wanted to go into evangelism one-on-one. Because when I look at people, I want to sometimes. Man, I'm glad Jesus don't look at me and go, Jesus looked at me and he loved me. And then he said, Kent, you need to deal with this in your life. And I don't tell you that to rebuke you. I tell you that because I love you. That's what the light does in us. That's the light of Jesus that burns in our life. That guiding light, not the, not the soap opera my grandma used to cry every day too. But the guiding light of Jesus, that Holy Spirit that is in us. I think it's under, hard for us to understand the significance of the lamp because we cannot understand total darkness. And, and guys, I remember in Albania one time that we'd been playing cards and it got hot in there because, again, they got one stove in the, in the one area and you either cook or you freeze. And we were cooking. And I got out to get some fresh air and I didn't take my flashlight with me. And I got out far enough down the road, it was pitch black. And I couldn't see my hand in front of me. And then I hear growling. And then I heard more growling. And I was cornered by a, a pack of dogs that I don't know, they acted like they were going to eat me. But you think I was young and strong and all that back then, could probably outrun most people then. And, but I thought, I felt helpless because I couldn't see them. I didn't know where they're at. I didn't know how to combat them. And so I feel around and grab a few rocks and I just did one of these and they took off. But I'll never forget the heaviness of that darkness and, and realize how much that I needed the light that night. And I think a lot of us, we don't understand. Guys, we got it so good in America that we don't, you know, that's why I think that it's hard for us to realize how good heaven is because we think, you know, it's pretty good here. We got it made here. Well, you go overseas, you get sick, and you can't go to the doctor. You get into that darkness and you realize, whoa, I do need the Lord. Well, that's what concerns me over in Liberia. I think we dealt with black magic and demons and, and, and saw them. I think they're masked in America. I think they've covered our eyes. We got it so good we don't need the Lord. That's the demonic spirit I think we're fighting against. When guys, we're all going to need the Lord someday. Because when these bodies give out, we're going to need the Lord. And they're going to give out someday. And we need to recognize that we need that light and we need to fight for that light daily. That's good stewardship. The oil stresses the requirement of faithfulness and watchfulness until he returns. They kept buying oil, faithfulness. They were watching. They were keeping an eye on it. It was required. They knew they had to do this. We've got to get in the presence of the Holy Spirit every day. The oil represents true faith, righteousness, and the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit. We need the guidance of the Holy Spirit operating in our lives. As Acts 4, or John 14, 26 says, he'll remind us and teach us of all things.
the parable of the talents. And again, it's from Matthew 25, 14 through 30. So, you know, good stewards of our personal relationship, but also we need to be good stewards of our talent. And that's the giftings that God has given us to proclaim heaven, to proclaim eternal life, to proclaim Jesus Lord, to proclaim forgiveness, to proclaim uh, uh, healing, to proclaim the things of God. In other words, to go save disciples' sin. We've been talented to do that. Matthew 25, 14, for it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servant, servant, servanthoods, servant, and entrusted them to his property. Did you get that? We're stewards of God's property. To the one he gave five talents, to another one talent, or to another two talents, to another one talent, according to their ability. And we could chase rabbits there, but, but we can get caught up. Well, why did Joe get four talents and I get three and, 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 and all these guys? You know, we get into that too much when God's given you exactly what he wants you to have. And he's gifted you exactly how you need to be to proclaim and lift up his kingdom. So the point of the parable, and again, I read from Bible reference here in the dictionary because I wanted to make sure you guys just didn't think I was making things up. But God blesses his servants on earth with talents, such as skills, abilities, assets, and money while he is away. Those who truly trust in him will see these gifts as opportunities to invest in the increasing Christ's glory. Do we get that today? We got these talents to increase Christ's glory they will passionately use the, those entrusted resources, growing the faith of and or the number of people who belong to him. They will go to work on behalf of Christ and earn his favor and rewards when he returns. Those who choose to fear or resent Christ, though may choose to do nothing at all, they may be bitter and others will, were given more talents than they were. But Jesus labels this refusal to participate in what he has commanded us as evil laziness. The refusal to serve implies something uh, crucial about the real relationship this person has with the master. It comes with enormous consequences. And we see that in this parable here. You know, the good steward, he had received five talents, another received two talents. They, they were blessed. They went out and doubled it. They took it and did what God called them to do. But the one who received one talent, he went and dug a hole in the ground and hid it, hid his master's money. We see that they were judged for these things. The master said in 25, 25, 1, his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant to the five and to the two. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. And in, in, enter into the joy of the master. Now think about that. You're going to get more. You're going to be blessed for what you give now. Enter in, it's going to be in heaven. What we do now, we're laying up treasures in heaven. And, and he's going to give us even more blessings in heaven. But the bad steward's reward, Matthew 25, 30, and cast this worthless servant into the outer darkness into the place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
So we see that the, the, the talent we got, that we've got to take care of our faith from the, the uh, virgins, the 10 virgins, five good virgins, take care of your faith. Then we need to use our talent to walk, glorify the kingdom of God and to lift up the kingdom of God. And then he moves into the parable of the sheep and goats because we're going to be judged for this. And the ones on the right are going to be judged and the ones on the left are going to be judged. The sheep and the goats, we're going to be judged for what we do. And I thought it was neat that we share this today because a lot of people say, well, what do we need to be good stewards of? You know, he's giving me talents. What do I do with the talent? And so the key in this scripture was, Jesus said, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And I got to thinking about that. We need to focus on them things physically and then also spiritually. How can we minister into people these things and be good steward of these things? Again, this is the judgment seat. Here he says, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. But the ones that did nothing, Matthew 25, 41, then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. I was naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Stewardship practices determined where do we spend eternity? Do you think about that today? Stewardship practices determine where we spend eternity. We need to focus on the ten virgins, our own relationship with Jesus Christ. We need to focus on the talents that he's given us, why to proclaim who he is. When I go back to that Mark 10, 21, and, and I think about that, why don't the praise team go ahead and come forward, and um, I'll close with this, but if you can put up Mark 10, 21, I, I might have it on slide 16. But again, this scripture. And Jesus looked at him. Jesus is looking at us today. He's looking into our hearts. He's looking into our lives. And he's loving on us. He knows your every need and wants to meet your every need. And then he's going to tell us how we need to handle it. And some of it, we may not like what he's got to say. It may be like the rich young man. He may walk away sad because he don't like what's been said. But something else that I got out of this scripture today that, yeah, Jesus does have his eye on us. But something else, and I wrote this down, I want to make sure and read it right. But Jesus indicates in Mark 10, 21 and elsewhere, Matthew 25, 
that a large portion of the church will be unprepared at the time of his return. That's why he looks at us and loves us because a lot of the church world is unprepared. Look at what we came out of. But you look at these parables, 50% of the virgins weren't ready. Think about that. In Matthew 25, it's talking about Jesus coming back and 50% weren't ready. They missed out. The parable of the talents, a third of the church wasn't ready. The parable of the sheep and goats, some would say it's 50-50, but it really doesn't say. But that's what caught my eye. And then I look at Revelation when Jesus looked at the church and he loved the churches in Revelations 2 and 3 chapters. And I want you to go study them this week because many believe these are prophecies of the end time churches. And it talks about seven churches that, that were existing in this time back in the Bible times and how that Jesus looked at them, he loved them, and then he said something to each church. He looked at the church of Ephesus, Ephesus in Revelations 2, 1 through 7. And he said, I love you, but you've abandoned your first love. Did you ever notice that? Then he went to the church of Samaria in Revelations 2, 8 through 12 and and he said, oh, you've done pretty good, but I want to warn you of the coming persecution. So that church is probably doing all right, but, but Jesus looked at him and loved him. But hey, there's going to be some persecution come that's going to blow your mind. You need to be ready. You see how he's looking at the church and he's loving them? And then he goes to the church of Thyatira and he, and he, and he sees them and he loves them. And, and then he said, guys, you need to repent of eating food sacrificed to idols. You need to repent of sexual immorality that is rampant in your, in your church. Then he looks at Sardis and he, and he loves them and he says to them, you need to repent. You're spiritually dead. Then in Revelation 3, 7 through 13, the church of Philadelphia, man, he looks at them, he loves them and he encourages them. Keep doing what you're doing. You're doing some great things. And he encourages them and he lifts them up. Then he looks at the church of Laodicea in 3, 4 through 22. And he loves them, but he says, you need to repent of your humanistic ways. Man, you depend on yourselves more than me. He says, for I say to you, or this is the people talking, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing not realizing that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. And guys, I think that's America. I think that's America to the T. Our government doesn't think we need God anymore. Look, I pray that that's not you, but my call to you today as we go into the altar time is Jesus is looking at you and he loves you. And he's speaking things into your life. And he's speaking things into my life. And he may be saying to repent. But he does it because he loves us. 
Or he may be encouraging you and saying, I got this, it's going to be okay, I'm walking with you. I don't know what you're going through, but, but are, you, you light, are you lighting up for Jesus? Are you pressing into him so he can speak to you? I just challenge you today. If you're like me, I'm not ashamed to admit it. Because if you don't, you're just lying. But my flesh wars against me. And I need my Jesus to look at me and love on me and give me advice. But then I need to take his advice, and that's the hard part. It may be salvation for some today. You're running from Jesus, and it's time to quit running. I've been praying that, that for salvations today, that people are tired of running and they're going to give in to Jesus today. But some of you just may need to be encouraged. But I want to challenge you to just look to Jesus. I want to challenge you to be good stewards of who you are in Christ. Let's stand to your feet today and these altars are going to be open. I want to challenge you guys to pray. And that's what I was looking for in my notes and I couldn't find it, but... But we're going to move into to, to vision. Uh, I'm going to be gone next week out of town. Uh, when we get back, we're going to be focusing on vision. But on Sunday, the October, I believe it's 22nd, October 29th, and November 5th, we're going to hold Sunday school class all together in here. And it's not going to be Sunday school class. We're going to cast vision. But I want to cast vision of good stewardship. What has God called Oakton to do to glorify him? How has God called us to use our talents to glorify him? Vision of how we can help people keep their light shining bright as individuals. But I want you guys to be praying for these classes and we're going to create vision. We've done this two or three times before, but I want to do it again. But what I don't want is everybody to come in here and tell me what we're not doing. Let's come in here and say what God wants to do. I pray that every one of you are at these meetings. We're going to hold them in the sanctuary, but we're going to cast a vision of what God wants us to do as good stewards of Oakton. Amen? But today, let's take a look at our individual lives and, and ask the Lord. He sees you and he loves you. Let him speak to you now.